We're on a little roll here on All Things Apostolic talking about you and your identity. It's such an important subject that we're going to talk about it until we feel like we've exhausted enough of the basics that somebody gets it and that it helps them. Today, stay with us. This is our subject. We have been here on All Things Apostolic talking about now for probably five podcasts about you and your identity. This is such a huge subject. And there are so many people who have issues. All of us, to some extent or another, probably have these issues. But um, uh, so many people that have issues that are debilitating in regards to their identity, knowing themselves, understanding themselves, and the self having uh, the fulfillment that's necessary. Fulfillment comes from having some idea of who you are and what your purpose is and your value, um, the, the direction of your life, how to get from here to there. Um, all of these things, they affect everything. Our relationship with each other is affected by our sense of ourself. If we hate ourselves, our relationship with others is very difficult because we're always projecting that to them. Sometimes we can project the hate on them because we're so aggravated uh, at ourselves that we get aggravated at other people. We look for somebody to blame. All of this is tied up with a person's identity. The subject is huge. And we made a decision here um, a little while back that we're going to talk about you and your identity. Uh, we'll never exhaust the subject, but we're going to talk about uh, many facets of this uh, so that we hope that you understand. And secondly, if you know people who are really struggling, uh, struggling with this depression or discouragement or frustrations or uh, uh, challenges that seem too big to handle, then uh, tell them to join us here on All Things Apostolic and show them how to go back and be able to catch up. We intentionally make each of these sessions not too long, about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, the reason for that is, 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 is number one, uh, do we have time to sit down and listen every day for uh, an hour? The, the answer is usually no. And secondly, are we going to do that, even if we had the time? And uh, does our mind kind of get clogged after a while? So uh, there's pros and cons and all that. But by doing this in kind of bite-sized pieces, uh, we hope that people really have a chance to grasp uh, what is being said. Uh, the Bible is full of this kind of uh, material that helps us understand ourselves. And it actually is like a spiritual drugstore, if you please, in, or where you go pick up medicine, um, where, you, where you find uh, prescriptions for problems and where there is a therapeutic answer to these things. Um, the one thing that the Bible would do is it would teach very strongly that all these things start in the human spirit. They don't just start in the mind. They don't just start in the body but they, they emerge out of the human spirit. So the human spirit uh, 
First Thessalonians just tells us that we're there's, there's we're body, soul, and spirit, and uh, uh, and this cannot be parted out, but semantically, uh, that is, with words, we have to find a way to describe it. So uh, it's it's body, soul, and spirit. But to say, well, we're going to cut the soul and the spirit, we're going to get, we can't do that. You you can't part it out like that. Now, the Bible can divide us under even the soul and the spirit. This is why the Word of God, which is alive and quick and sharper than any two-edged sword, it can divide us under even soul and spirit. It can go in there and find all these conflicts we have or places where uh, things are shorting out in our emotional or mental uh, uh, or spiritual life and fix those problems and give us wholeness again where life flows through us without a bunch of impediments that just constantly keeps us on our backs. So um, so this discussion about you and your identity is ex- extremely important. Now we've been talking about, yesterday we talked about the prodigal son for the first time. The prodigal son is an example of a person that was conflicted, uh, is an example of a person that we, he was the second son in the family. Uh, his brother, we know that his brother was very proficient in everything he did in administering the household of their father. He was a, he was an effective businessman, an effective uh negotiator, an effective and skilled communicator and people person. He was able to do all of these things. He did them successfully. He probably prided himself in them. And so this younger brother could not match that. So we've seen this in life over and over and over where someone has someone that's older than them, oftentimes a sibling that that excels in things. And then the younger one says, I, I just can't match that. I, I And so there is an attempt to escape. Now, this escape takes different forms, and a teenager can take the form of rebellion against mom and dad. It can take the shape of looking frantically in other places for validation, which is a danger. Where there's gangs, there's there's uh, people that are uh, not good for your children to run with. Uh, there's, I mean, even in church, church people can have children that you, you can't just take your children to church and let them run wild. There's people there that have kids that are in conflict and those conflicts, they, they're like, um, uh, you know, you, it's like you can catch it, like catching a cold when you run with somebody. So it's contagious. So this is, uh, all of this is part and parcel of the issues that we face every day with the confliction that comes to human beings because of struggles with uh, themselves and their own identity. So we see this, and we've already talked about it. We're not going to rehash it all, but we we saw this in the prodigal son. What we didn't talk about is when the prodigal son came back home and the father uh, embraced him with open arms, number one, that tells you how God feels about you no matter what you've done, no matter how conflicted your life has been, no matter how embarrassing the the, the the sins or the grossness that you've got yourself involved with um, or the or how unlawful the things have been that you've got yourself involved with, uh, God, our Father, will still embrace us back into his house and help us work our way out of all of that. And so he, he doesn't just do this kind of like uh, half-heartedly, 
all right, you're a jerk, but I'll let you come. No, no, no. It is, he embraces him with joy, with tears, with celebration. He says, kill the fatted calf. Bring it in. Let's, let's have a big party and a big feast to celebrate my son that has come home. The Bible says angels rejoice over one sinner that repents. And so this, is, this shows you the value of life and the importance of our relationship with God through whom we receive our relationship with ourselves. So he comes home and the father embraces him. But he has not yet embraced himself. He has not because he says, Father, I am not worthy. And I, if I can just come and be as one of the servants in the house, just if I can just be as one of the servants in the house. So uh, the father doesn't even respond to that. He just loves him. And instead, there's a, there's, a, there's a problem here that's going on when he says, I can just be as one of the servants. Instead, the Father has wisdom, and he knows what's going on, just like our Heavenly Father knows. And the Father knows that this really isn't about humility or, or abject despondency as a result of doing so many things wrong. There's a little bit of that in there, but that's not really what's behind this. This boy has left home in the first place because he didn't want to accept responsibility that comes with being a human in a particular circumstance. He didn't want to, he, did, he didn't feel adequate. He comes back home after he's wasted everything and he still doesn't feel adequate. In fact, now he feels less adequate than he had felt before he did what he did which is usually the way sin is. A person goes and does something wrong. They come back. It's worse, not better, inside with their confliction with themselves. And so he says, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worthy. What he's really saying in part is, I'm not ready. I, I, I wasn't qualified, and I felt intimidated, and I didn't have self-esteem, and I didn't value myself because I cannot match up to my older brother and to how this household runs with such proficiency. And uh, he's really saying, I still can't, but I could be a servant in the house. I know how to do that. Now, here's a catch. The father won't let him do that. The father will not let him be less than what he is supposed to be. The father, and he signifies that by taking the ring, the signet ring, and slipping it on the boy's hand. Now, you say, what was he doing? Was he giving him jewelry for sparkle and bling bling? And No, it was none of that. In those days, most people could not read or write. And uh, even if the person could read or write, if he signed a document, he may be dealing with somebody that they couldn't read or write. So the signet ring is called signet for a reason. Signet comes from the same root as signature. And so the signet ring had the crest of that particular family on it. And it was like a stamp pad. They would stamp it on something where there was ink and then they would stamp that ring on the paper. 
So what that ring really meant was the responsibility. The only people who had a signet ring was the people who were in the authority over the house. And that would be the elder son and this son would be the primary authorities in that house. So God comes back and rather than let him be an abject servant for which he, he was not prepared or intended in life, God put, gives him the authority and he's probably terrified, but God gives him the authority and says, now this is what you are. You're a son. So you cannot escape there's, there's, a, there's an important lesson here. You cannot escape what you are. I had a job one time um, in a plant that made uh, soft drink machines. You drop money in them, you get... And, a, and I was starting a church, and I had this job in this place where they, had, they made soft drink machines. They put me on the line, the manufacturing line, and they didn't tell me that two people had quit and they gave me both of their jobs. They gave me both of their jobs. And I had to do both of the jobs instead of one, but I didn't know I was doing that. I was killing myself to stay up with everything until somebody came by and said, hey, that used to be the job of two people. So I quit because I thought if they're dishonest enough to do that, what else are they going to do? And I quit. I went and got another job. Well, the fact of the matter was, is that I still had to meet the qualifications to be a young father. I still had to meet the qualifications to be a husband. I was married very young. I still had to meet the qualifications to pay the bills, to provide home, to, to all the things. So the son comes back home. You, you can't get away from, you have to get healthy enough to be able to function. That may take time. You may need help. You may need to be in a place where there is assistance. I mean, like in drugs, there are halfway houses to help people with addictions to find their way out of there and out of their dilemma. So we grant that there, there, are, there are issues in life, and, and it takes some people a long time to get straightened out. I don't know how long he's in the father's house before he get put the signet ring on him, but I do know that it wasn't too long because the... The, the acceptance of responsibility in life is something that we can't avoid. Now, there, the exceptions to that would be if somebody is so broken that, that that part is not fixable. Then we need to pray God supernaturally heal them and make them whole. And until that happens, um, uh, they have to be cared for as long as they're willing to, to follow the protocols. But for most of us, that's not where we're at. For most of us, we just need someone to help us to see that instead of trying to evade responsibility, how many times have you seen somebody with a sign out by the side of the road begging for money in the rain or in a temperatures over 100 degrees? It's miserable out there. It would be easier to have a job but in their life, somewhere down the line, there has been an abdication of responsibility. And I'm not just blaming the people. It may be that their parents did them wrong or that they didn't have parents or that on and on goes all of the ifs and ands about it. But the truth of the matter is, even with that, they have to somewhere suck it up and say, I'm going back to the father's house. And whatever I'm supposed to be, the father's going to help me to be that. 
I don't have to be it on my own. The Father loves me. And I don't have to be what my brother is. I just have to be the best me that I can be. Personal identity. Personal identity. Knowing and appreciating yourself, the self that God gave you, is important on the most basic level of life. 